Welcome to Season 3 of In Search of Peace and Healing. I'm your host, Celia Boone. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Um, In this episode... We're going to be talking about um, what happens when we try to help people and maybe it doesn't go so well. I'm in a position where um, I have the privilege of being able to meet a lot of people who are wanting help, needing help. And, um, you know, a number of people over the years have asked for my help. Some of them have really bought into um, the whole process. Because when I meet somebody who needs help, I explain to them that um, I'm very happy to help. However, the real onus is on them. I could make suggestions and, you know, share my experience, strength, and hope. But in order for them to be able to be helped, they have to be willing to receive the gift of help. And they have to follow that um, with action on their part. Usually very simple actions, but you know, nonetheless, it takes actions on our parts in order for us to be able to be helped. We have to be willing and able to help ourselves. So um, I titled today's episode as When Helping You is Hurting Me. And I'm going to talk about the blessings of helping versus the burdens and problems with overhelping. So I'm sure all of us, one point or another, have come across someone who really needed our help. Maybe they've asked us, well, please help me. Or maybe we just saw them and said, oh, this person is such a hot mess. They need my help. Gracious mercy, they need lots of help, and I can help. Some of them have been, you know, they'll say all the right things. Oh, my goodness, I need help. Boy, I've made a mess of my life. Um, You know, I really, you seem to have peace and, and, um, you know, you laugh and smile. I want what you have. And um, at the same point, they're really not willing to get up and take any action. Like I said, I have certainly been in that situation and many times um, have ended up where I was more invested in their getting better, making changes, healing, recovery, whatever, than they were. Many people have said that I have a soothing voice 
and a very comforting presence. And I found that there are a lot of people who want me to comfort and soothe them as they sit and suffer in the midst of their problems, addictions, or whatever the negative consequences are that they're experiencing. My little ego likes to think that if the person wanted to get better, they would do so at the present time with my help. But I forget that maybe I'm not the right person to help them. Maybe they're not willing or ready to take the actions necessary to turn their lives around at this particular moment. When that happens, boy, it can be easy for me to get in God's way. But I need to remember that maybe what the good Lord wants for me is to sow a few seeds, but not get enmeshed such that my helping is harming me. When my attempts to help are harming me, I may very well also be harming the person that I'm trying to help. Maybe that person needs to fully experience the consequence of their choices. I don't want to be someone who slows their descent to their bottom by comforting and soothing them while they continue on, you know, slowly making their descent to their bottom, whatever that is. And I sure as heck don't want to be comforting and soothing them as they have reached bottom and continued to dig. In helping others, my goal is to provide useful help while doing good self-care for myself so that both of us are helped. Helping you means that my selfishness and self-seeking are diminished and replaced with gratitude and joy. When I'm unhappy or distressed, the best thing I can do is run to help someone else. Even something as simple as making coffee for a meeting can help to get my mind right again. One of the um, authors that I have read, and um, she has even more books than I read, but I read some of her books, is Melanie Beattie. And she, um, one of her books I actually read in my morning meditation time. And one of her daily meditations on codependency is called The Language of Letting Go. And I'm going to read one of her daily readings. It's for actually October 20. Sometimes people we love do things we don't like or approve of. We react. They react. Before long, we're all reacting to each other and the problem escalates. When do we detach? When we're hooked into a reaction of anger, fear, guilt, or shame. When do we get hooked into a power play, an attempt to control or force others to do something they don't want to do? When the way we're reacting isn't helping the other person or solving the problem. When the way we're reacting is hurting us. Often it's time to detach when detachment appears to be the least likely or possible thing to do. The first step toward detachment is understanding that reacting and controlling do not help. The next step is getting peaceful, getting centered, and restoring our balance. 
take a walk, leave the room, go to a meeting, take a long hot bath, call a friend, call on God. Breathe deeply, find peace. From that place of peace and centering will emerge an answer, a solution. And today I will surrender and trust that the answer is near. So when I'm in a situation where my helping you has begun to hurt me, and probably you too, you know, um, I don't always realize instantly that my overhelping has turned into codependency. I can help you recover by sharing my experience, strength, and hope. I can make simple, you know, suggestions that help to bring good orderly direction, G-O-D, into my life. But when someone I'm trying to help refuses to take those simple actions necessary to move towards love and away from fear, it's really up to me to reassess the nature of our relationship. You know, sometimes I need to regularly check with my trusted advisors. I always try to ask the good Lord for clarity, set boundaries, and modify my behavior. A lot of times I've had to let go of trying to help someone and when I let go, when I detach, it doesn't mean that I no longer care. It means that I need to love that person from a distance. And to quote my sister Adele, pray that the person will be healed to their highest and best good. As I continue on my recovery journey, I've learned not to invite people with boxcars of trouble into my life. If they ask for help, I will be quick to offer mine, but I also need to watch them and see if they will take suggestions and follow it up with right actions. Or to see if they talk a good game, but they really aren't invested enough in their recovery, or maybe they're just not ready yet to take the needed actions. Maybe they're not willing to take actions. Maybe they like I did for a long time in my life. Maybe they want the recovery genie to come zap them with happiness and peace and serenity without any effort whatsoever on, on their part. Because, boy, I've been there. You know, I wanted to lose weight and stop drinking and get my career going and you know I just thought I just need to pray and ask God to help me and then that should do it well it didn't and it didn't and it didn't and it didn't and it didn't help until I got so miserable so sick and tired of being sick and tired that I got up and went for help and kept taking actions, kept going to meetings, you know, found a spiritual advisor to help me and began to really seek 
to know God, to understand the divine, to have an appropriate relationship with the divine source of everything that's good that was appropriate for me to have. You're listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone. We'll return to this episode in just a moment. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's much more than number two, say.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. When I'm first, you know, trying to help someone, a lot of times they do the same thing that I did when I was early in recovery. Cry, whine, complain. So-and-so was mean to me. They harmed me. I have resentments. I'm scared. But despite tears and resentments, What I want to see from them are actions, because our actions are what counts. Yes, our emotions are part of the equation, of course, but as I began recovering spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, I found that with taking action, some divine source was honoring them. The changes that happened to me inside and outside of me gave me a sense of relief. Spending time with other recovering people and forming my support network allowed me to let down my hair, take myself less seriously, and to have fun. For the first time in years, I was able to laugh until tears ran down my face. I learned how to be more and more honest and be accepted as part of the group. Because the group accepted me long before I was able to accept myself. It took me a while to get a sense of belonging, but that's okay. I giggled and guffawed and everything in between. I took time to watch sunsets and butterflies and kids playing. I was very motivated to get better. And once I understood that my actions were the key... I took whatever suggestions were given to me. I went to counseling for two to three years. And my counselor was amazed because she wasn't used to having her clients take suggestions and change their behaviors like I was doing. But you see, I had a deep desire to do things differently because I wanted my suffering to stop. Misery is optional. Pain is inevitable. And pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. Misery and suffering are what happens when I keep doing what I've been doing all along. Getting outside my comfort zone, or discomfort zone as it may be, was scary, painful, and icky. But I really loved the results once I took those suggestions. Because the God of my misunderstanding 
kept on honoring my efforts. And that was wildly encouraging to me. You see, if I have an advisor and I don't take their advice, I'm not allowing that person to be my advisor. There are times in my life when I have gone to my primary care physician for medical care, paid good money for it, but in the end, haven't taken his advice. Fortunately, I have wonderful people in my network who remind me to let your doctor be your doctor. If I need to get a second opinion, that's fine, but it's not a good idea for me to be my own doctor. If I'm helping someone who is teachable, and more importantly, does take suggested actions, that is the kind of helping that benefits both of us. If the one I'm trying to help talks the talk but doesn't take the simple actions necessary to get his or her life on the right track, I really can't continue trying to help once I realize, oh, I'm working harder on this than they are. I can share my experience, strength, and hope. But for the person to heal, they got to take those actions in order to reap the benefits that God has for them. Action gives traction toward reaching our goals. Action can take many forms. Prayer, reaching out to others who need and want to recover. Sharing my experience, strength, and hope. Going to meetings. Sharing my recovery story about what living in active addiction was like, what steps I took, and what my life in recovery is like now. I can guide others through the 12 steps and 12 traditions the way others helped me. I can be available by phone and, you know, when feasible, in person. I can continue building my recovery network and make more friends. I can model good recovering behavior to those who aren't sure how to deal with difficulties and have no idea how love behaves. I certainly can and need to speak out against injustice and evil and wrong. I can set and maintain, maintain good boundaries for myself and spend time talking with my spiritual advisors to help me keep my own recovery on the right track. A few years back, my spiritual advisor suggested that I read the book Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. Yes, the same one. I was having problems getting along with a couple family members who really needed help, and what I was doing was not working. I had tried to help them, and they took my help and demanded more. And things devolved to the point where I just stopped talking to them. I was giving them silent scorn, and it was upping the emotional temperature and the anger and resentment in the home. So I had to find a way to have some shred of serenity, no matter what these other people were saying, doing, thinking, whatever. 
I prayed the serenity prayer over and over. I went to extra meetings and cried on the shoulders of people in my network. And I read the book and took suggestions from it. And boy, howdy, once I did that, the tone of the relationship became less toxic and a bit less scary. I had to be willing to, no matter how I felt, speak. Hello, how are you? How's your day? Even though the last thing I wanted to do was to talk to them. And to surrender myself to God and say, you know what? My ego was really getting way over involved here. My fear, you know, they were afraid. I was afraid. And we were, I think, really triggering each other's fears. So once I surrendered and I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do this. Um, I don't know what to do and started taking suggestions, good orderly direction from those who know me well and, you know, had their experience, strength, and hope to share with me. Quite soon, those family members moved to another state and once again, there was peace in our home. Ann Landers says, some people believe holding on and hanging in there are signs of great strength. However, there are times when it takes much more strength to know when to let go and then to actually do it. Um, Guy Finley says, you don't need strength to let go of something. What you really need is understanding. And Deborah Raber says, letting go doesn't mean that you don't care about someone anymore. It's just realizing that the only person you really have control over is yourself. And Mandy Hale says, letting go does not mean you stop caring. It means you stop trying to force others to. And we always need to remember that there's an important difference between giving up and letting go. I can surrender myself to the will of my higher power, God as I understand him. And I can try to take right actions and do the things that I need to do to promote my own recovery. And that's very different from giving up which is like when I'm full of resentment and fear and I'm like, never mind, you know, and start inviting them to go on a honeymoon by themselves or whatever. <laughs> so um, that is today's episode. I hope that it has been helpful to you. If you find yourself trying to help others and you're the ones who's all stressed out and hurting because of it, you might want to take a look at, is this, is helping really helping or is helping them hurting you? I love you. I care about you and would love to hear from you. 
Take care, y'all. Have a great day. You've been listening to In Search of Peace and Healing with Celia Boone, a production of the Descant Music and Media Group. We invite you to visit our website, muchmoretosay.weebly.com. That's much more than number two, say.weebly.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our podcasts are hosted on Spreaker. We're also available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and most podcast directories. So like, comment, share, and join the conversation. Thanks for listening.